This is the Indesa Members Memo, a podcast of the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. Indesa is 100% member-owned and is your industry voice. This episode of the Indesa Members Memo is sponsored by Orisure Technologies. Orisure offers testing products for drugs of abuse and alcohol. The Intercept Oral Fluid Drug Test is the first and only FDA-cleared oral fluid laboratory-based drug test for the nine most requested drugs of abuse. Intercept is simple to use with an easy collection procedure and a collection time of only five minutes. While being the number one recognized brand in laboratory-based oral fluid testing since 2000, the specimen is collected on-site but is then sent to a lab for testing. Companies get the convenience and immediacy of oral fluid testing, but also solid and defensible lab results. You don't sacrifice the accuracy of reliability of your current testing program. You simply eliminate the need to collect urine. Indesa is proud to have Orisher as our first official sponsor of the Indesa Members Memo podcast. Thank you, Orisher. Check out their website at www.orisher.com. Let's see. Good morning and welcome to the Indesa Members Memo. I'm Joe McGuire. I'm the Executive Director for the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. And we definitely appreciate you all listening to our podcast, liking and subscribing. And you are going to adore this episode today, I promise. I am interviewing Greg Henderson. And for those of you who know Greg, I know um, many of you have already told me when you heard I was interviewing him, I can't wait to Wednesday, I can't wait to Wednesday. And if you don't know him, I'm very excited for you to get to learn who he is and hopefully meet him sometime soon. So Greg, welcome. Hey, it's like seeing like I haven't seen you in a long time. I know, I know. It has been, I know, uh, like a week, a weekend, no, six days, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's been forever. (laughs) Well, when it's in, when it's in COVID time, it's like 10 times that. So that's fair. That's fair. fair. Um, So you are, I should mention, one of our very newest members of Indesa. Um, I was hoping to say the newest member, but four people joined since you did, so you're not the brand newest, but uh, you're you're pretty new. I'm pretty new. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not, in the top five. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but not new to our industry. Yeah. And not not at all. Um the last Let's see, last year for sure, yeah, two years, the last two years you were a trainer at our annual conference and did the HHS collections training, which is a whole new course, and um, specifically for those who do HHS collections, which when I first heard of that class, I'm like, is that necessary? And then George was telling me, you know, here's all the differences, and here's the this, and here's the that, and I'm like, why has nobody done that before? So it was something you, you unique. Want to hear, you want to hear the story on that? Yeah, tell me. Okay. So for those who don't know, I was at Department of the Interior, right? Yes. And Department of Interior oversees almost a, a hundred federal agencies. And HHS is primarily uh, for federal employees. Mm-hmm. So they fall under so many different parameters, you know, HIPAA, Disability Act, you know, all of these type of things that DOT doesn't. But the DOT component, as you know, they're very more, they're more structured when it comes to safety sensitive positions and how these things are are structured. Mm -hmm. HHS is not. HHS, Mm -hmm. Department of Transport, Department of of, uh, State can have a whole different policy than Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. So there is no real guidance to the HHS side of the of the house. So it's just the collection process. You may run into so many different variations of situations mm-hmm. because of the type of employees. Like for instance, I had a paraplegic with no arms, no legs. Oh. Right. So HHS guidelines nor DOT covers these type of disability you know, uh, situations, the hearing impaired, the, the, the seeing impaired. Like I even have a script that's in Braille. I have one that's in Spanish. I have a version of these different collection situations that may arise under HHS that you are almost not ever going to see in DOT safety sensitive positions. Interesting. 
right? So at the end of the day, nothing becomes a problem until it's a positive, right? Mm -hmm. Until mm -hmm. it's a lawsuit or EEO complaint or, yeah. so I was trying to set up processes that is designed to protect the employee as well as the employer when it comes to the HHS side. Yeah, and, and I had the opportunity um, to do a kind of an update for for HHS back in the fall and, and all of the um, drug program managers for all of the agencies were on the call. And I was shocked when he started rattling off to me all of the departments that fall under, I mean, TSA and I mean, he just rattled, I'm sure you, you can do that <laughs> in your sleep backwards, upside down, but um, it's a huge sector for drug testing. And um, now, of course, we have Allison who is um, my old know, boss. Yeah, she's been great. She's been coming to our town halls and really engaging with us. And um, so, okay, I'm kind of, we jumped like lightning speed ahead. <laughs> Let's start with you telling us who you are and what you do and give us just a kind of a little bit of your trail so that the listeners really know who Greg is. Um, so I'm a 25 year military vet. I served in both the Marines and the Army. Uh, that's where I got my introduction to drug and alcohol uh, testing. Uh, we were designated in the in the military as pecker watchers or peepee watchers because every, yep. coll every that's collection. That's right. <laughs> military, for those who don't know, military is 100% observed testing. Observed. So you don't, you, there's never any ifs, ands, or buts. And I don't know if I told you this, but I live in Colorado Springs. We have a uh -huh. ton of military bases here. When I first got into drug testing, these guys would retire and they'd come in our clinic for their pre-employment drug test. And our the bathroom door like looked out to the clinic, you know. And I would look over and they'd just have the door open and be peeing and I'm like, no, 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 close the door. <laughs> no. But they didn't know. I mean, that's what they did. That's what they're accustomed to. Yeah. They are accustomed to. <laughs> And, and so that's that's where I started. I started mm -hmm. there and then I oversaw, you know, different cities like I oversaw the drug collection process for mm -hmm. the entire New York City. Oh, wow. The five boroughs, as well as in Columbia, South Carolina. So that was my introduction into drug and alcohol. And then when I retired, you know, I took a, a hiatus and then I applied uh, at Department of Interior and I got the position there. Um, so I was at Interior for several years, and I was actually one of the individuals that oversaw the uh, entire White House administration uh, drug collection process. I was there every day. Wow. Made sure everybody, but those are bar conversations. Yeah, no <laughs> bar, doubt. Bar I bet. Conversations. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but they were funny. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one story because okay. it's a podcast and I want it to be cool. That's right. So... You remember Anthony Scarmucci? Oh, yes. The Mooch, right? Yes. The, the shortest term federal employee I've probably ever met in my, my life, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was supposed to drug test him and General Kelly. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, Scarmucci comes over. He does his test. You know, we shake hands. You're able to shake hands at the time. And he goes on about his way. Mm -hmm. So we're waiting on General Kelly. General Kelly never shows up. It's A comes around and say, hey, General Kelly had to go into a meeting. He'll be, oh, you know, can we just call you back over, right? And I said, okay, no problem. I go back to Interior. I put his urine in the, the, the drawer. My Department of Interior captain comes over, and he says, hey, your boy is on TV. And I said, who's my boy? And he said, uh, the mooch. And I said, well, he's supposed to be on TV. He's the press secretary, you know? Right. And so he said, no, he's on TV. So we go, I go out in the, in the lobby, and we have a four-screen split. TV with all the four news channels on it, right? Mm -hmm. And he is on each one of them with breaking news. And on breaking news, it says the press secretary uh, resigns, right? He he resigns. And I look at the captain and I go, no, he didn't. I said, I was just with him. His urine is still warm. It's Two like, seconds how, ago. <laughs> how did this man resign? And I just drug test him. Like, you don't come see me to resign. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was was that General Kelly then went into a meeting to discuss letting Scarmucci go. That's why General Kelly never came to see me. Oh wow! And so that <laughs> you're fired. That the, yeah, it was just, 
Fake news, fake news. That's right. <laughs> he did not resign. He was asked yeah. to leave. <laughs> um, and so after interior. Um, that really sucks. The last thing that happened in your job that day was you got a urine test and then you were told you're out of here. <laughs> and it, it still went to an HHS testing lab. <laughs> <laughs> and it was not a get out of jail free card. So. <laughs> yeah, it was not a get out of jail free card. No, we, still, we still sent that bad baby off. Um, and so at interior you know like um, and how I got involved with the conferences and stuff was uh, through interior because they were testing you know doing their annual testings at a different organization Mm -hmm. and so I started figuring out and trying to learn more about certifications and training and Mm -hmm. and all of these things and I, I went to a conference in Vegas where I met Joe Riley yeah. He was my instructor in Vegas. And mm-hmm. so I, I remember asking him, how can I do what you do? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, he was just giving me, you know, the Joe responses, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> very, yeah. very, very straight to the, you know, this, this, you know, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I was like, okay. And then I went to, you know, went back and I started taking every course that they had. Allison was just awesome with letting me just, you know, actually was barren. Grover at the time and just let me take all the different courses and stuff that mm-hmm. I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize like, man, there's more to this. There's more to this. And um, then I went down to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I Which is where I met you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we're in New Orleans yeah. and, and I'm going to get into the FAA stuff. Soon, okay. But, okay. So get to New Orleans and this is where I met you guys. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys had a separate tent. Yeah, you had a separate party going on, and yeah. I remember uh, a couple guys. Uh, I, I don't I, they're, if they're listening, they're gonna he probably text me and be like, "You didn't remember my dog on name um, out of Florida." <laughs> uh, um, John Burgos and Jim Greer. John, John Burgos. Yeah, John Burgos. John, John yep. Burgos and another guy was. I'm sorry, John. They were <laughs> in my. They were in my class in mm-hmm. in New Orleans, and they said you need to come. Yeah. meet some people mm-hmm. right and so he I said okay I will but you know I'm busy you know trying mm-hmm. to move around I said I will John he said no you got to come meet some people yeah and that altered a whole nother direction right mm-hmm. so I came over I met you uh mm-hmm. I, I, John introduced me to so many people and you guys mm-hmm. were all so motivated mm-hmm. you know what I mean like mm-hmm. you were so motivated about this yeah. new organization mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But at that moment, I was conflicted. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. Because, because I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm brought here for this. I yeah. don't know what's going on with, with that. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to be in the middle of anything. I just right. like to keep it neutral and whatever. Mm-hmm. But you guys were so intoxicating. Mm-hmm. Like wow. you, guys, you guys' passion for the new organization was different. Mm. You know, the, the, the hoopla of the carnivals and, and all that other stuff, which I didn't participate in, in many of that stuff anyway, but mm-hmm. you guys had a different energy and mm-hmm. I'm not saying this because I'm on the call with you, mm-hmm. uh, but it is the truth. It was just very different. It was mm-hmm. intoxicating. Everybody was relaxed and everybody was passionate about growing in Daisy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there. I, I leave and I go back to the other side and I meet Chet for the first time. Oh gosh. <laughs> so anybody who knows I Chet love Sanders. Chet. I love Chet. We're <laughs> <laughs> talking about Chet. <laughs> um, and so we I go over there and I meet Chet for the first time and I was introduced to Chet and I said, Hey, you're on my CC line. I have an interview with you guys coming up. In a, in a few days or whatever, mm-hmm. and Chet being Chet wouldn't tell me much, of course, because right. he was on the interview. So I appreciate him, mm-hmm. his, his professionalism, mm-hmm. and you know, so I helped him with his his setup and whatever. So that was my introduction to Chet in the FAA, mm-hmm. and um, and then there was some some more bar conversations that I can have with you guys later on that mm-hmm. happened in New Orleans mm-hmm. that altered you know, me no longer being with that organization, mm-hmm. uh, which put a damper on a, a lot. Oh, sure. So, uh, <laughs> Probably organizations in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 
and, and Joe, you know, you know, you read between the lines, read between yeah. the lines, read between the <laughs> yeah. lines. Yeah. If anybody, if you guys are listening, I'm actually seeing Joe's face, so we can actually <laughs> see each other here. So I, I just want you to know, like, and she, she can see my, my my expressions here, but yeah, um, but it altered a whole new direction because I had to go back and I had to share that information with DOI. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So DOI was put in a position of what do we now do? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do what do we now do? Because we can't continue to no longer support this entity on a certain scale. Mm -hmm. And then how do we support our employee? Yeah. Right. Of course. Uh, you know, again, read between the lines. Yeah. So um it, it put a lot of different things in motion. And uh then I got offered to go to the FAA. I did not want to leave Department of Interior. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love Department of Interior, but I saw a bigger picture for me. Right, right. right. Yeah. Um, and I still talk to those guys. I still talk to everybody. Of course. <laughs> then I end up over to the FAA. Mm -hmm. So I get to the FAA and I, I meet all these guys, Chet and everybody, Rivaldo, Raphael, Ramos, and, and you know, all these entities mm -hmm. in the FAA and Patrice Kelly. I uh, get a chance to meet all these individuals and I'm traveling the country mm -hmm. and I'm just noticing a, 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 a huge gap in this industry. Mm -hmm. And the biggest gap in this industry is training. Amen. A hundred percent. Right. Yep. Yep. The biggest gap is in training. So when I, you guys started putting more emphasis on training, mm -hmm. that is what drew me to you guys. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't anything else, but it was training. We know all the other things, sponsorships, all that stuff comes because you have to be able to put on events and you got to be able to do these things and you have to do those things, but your, your main emphasis were on training. Yeah. So when I was traveling the country, I never had this experience before. Mm -hmm. traveling the country, sitting down with real people. Mm -hmm. And so, now let's, let's specify you were sitting down with DERs. DERs. Because under FAA and owners. And, and owners, yeah, under FAA, that was your job is, in, is in like an inspector and going in to the, the actual on, on the line folks um, in FAA that are subject to mandatory drug testing, right? Yes. So those DERs, and this is where you saw that training gap occurring. I mean, but, I mean, the collection side too, you could see that, but really with those DERs. Well, you're right, because as an inspector, even when we go to the collection site, you know, our hands are tied with third-party consortiums, right? Mm -hmm. There still is a huge gap with, with especially collection sites, because collectors, they're, you know, they come and go, they change over, and, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're almost like the afterthought mm -hmm. but they're the front line defense yes yep that's right, right. um <clears throat> so when i'm out with der's and owners of these companies and i'm sitting across them from them these inspections turns into financial civil penalties oh yeah huge mm -hmm. penalties right even mm -hmm. revocation of certificates depending on how egregious it is in conjunction with fisdo and flight standard Mm -hmm. you know, side, you, you, you know, you bring this stuff together and you can put a company out of, out of business. Yeah. So as I'm sitting with the DERs, I remember my very first one, she started crying. Oh, right. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, you know, I wasn't the lead, but I was watching this lady cry in front of us mm -hmm. because she realized what the inspector was gathering. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the inspectors are there to enforce regulations. That's what they're there to do and to gather the information and where the chips fall, they may. Right. Mm -hmm. She realized at that moment that what happened was that somebody was failed to put into the random pool mm -hmm. and they had performed safety sensitive flights. Functions, flights. Yeah. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that is one of the five deadly sins that I teach on is uh, not putting somebody in the random pool and performance. That's one of what I call the five deadly sins. And she realized that. And mm -hmm. he was just gathering documents on particular individuals. And she left the room crying. She had to come back in crying. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that happened so many times, right? Mm -hmm. I've watched, I've watched somebody get fired. I've seen a company get revoked. Uh, and later found out the guy died of cancer, but you know, oh. that's an, that's an after story. Right. Um, and then I realized if they only knew. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. And as an inspector, we can't say much. Mm -hmm. We can't do much. We can't share much. Mm -hmm. So the reason I left the FAA to do my, my course and, and my teaching was simply that. Mm -hmm. It was the fact of I wanted to be a bridge between the companies and the government. A hundred percent. So uh, I think a lot of our listeners, probably those who know you don't even know that you left FAA um, <laughs> because this is something that I heard trickled down the grapevine in a really weird way. I think you're scheduled either recently or upcoming for a little conference happening in I Colorado know, Springs. In Colorado Springs. Did you already come here? No, that's in June. <gasps> You and I, <laughs> we're getting together, okay? Is that is that the, uh, the 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 big resort? Cheyenne Mountain? No. Oh no, no the no. oh the new one. Well, the, whatever. Some the Timberwolf Lodge or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, yeah, we're getting together because um, that's right. Like it's right up the road from my house. My son actually works across the street. Anyway. No matter. Um, there's a new In-N-Out burger across the street from there. Anyway, nice. um, <laughs> so someone said, "I see, I see Greg on this thing. What?" And it's he's not. It looks like he's not with the FAA. What's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. And then that means I don't have his email address, and I don't know. So I have no idea. And then I heard from you very shortly after, and I'm like, Oh, well, I found you. <laughs> so, so um, I think that I what I know maybe like five people that know that you're not there. Um, so tell us what. What happened to make this transition? I mean, you just told us a lot of your why. Like you, it, it's all about the training, all about the training. But but walk me through that because you and I had this discussion last week and I, I just love it. And it's always what this podcast goes back to is our why, um, even our organization. So uh, walk me through those steps. So one day, uh, the, the thing about the, the, the drug and drug abatement, inspectors i love the guys to death but the lack of drug and alcohol training mm -hmm. itself is i was baffled by the fact that none of them attend these conferences the inspectors they uh you know there isn't any advanced training for them outside of doing their inspections mm -hmm. you know like you guys should have these in these individuals in your collector training and in you know these other type of, of trainings the der trainings because we're the ones inspecting these companies and even though you look at the regulation everything is not covered in the regulation right 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 yeah that's you know what I mean? and you can't inspect off of best practices because it's not in the regulation mm -hmm. so even though you you should know what those best practices are but if you don't really know the collection part of it, the ins and outs of behind the scenes collections part of it. Mm -hmm. Are we really efficient inspectors? Or so are we I agree with that. Motion? Yep, I agree with that. We one of the things that comes up on our town halls a lot are um, inspectors for audits that are asking for things that are not the job of the collector. I mean, it's just not with, and they're like, you have to have this. There's a there's a disconnect. Definitely a disconnect. That's the disconnect is the the lack of of professional growth and development mm -hmm. when it comes to inspectors or auditors. And I remember giving a class to four new inspectors in Miami mm -hmm. of teaching them 4940. Now in my class was Chet, Rafael Ramos, both of my team coordinators, and the four inspectors. Mm -hmm. And they were all sitting there going like, you know, like they thought they knew, but did you really know, you know, mm -hmm. because of this, this, this. And in the middle of my class, the union rep came and pulled Chet aside and he said this was not an authorized training. Oh. And 
him and Chet, and they went outside, they had their discussions and whatever. Now, mm -hmm. keep in mind, I'm going to reiterate this. In my class, mm -hmm. I have Chet Stevenson, who is a center manager. Mm -hmm. I have Rafael Ramos, who is over drug abatement, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And mm -hmm. I have both my team coordinators and four new inspectors who have no idea about collection. Trying to educate them mm -hmm. on how to properly inspect according to 49.4. Yeah. And it's not just collection sites, but when you're at the company, when you're looking at these chain custody forms, there's so much more on this chain of custody, their chain of custody form that mm -hmm. could put somebody in a safety sensitive position incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Right. Depending yes. on whatever, right? Right. So so we're I'm teaching them this stuff and a union rep came in and halted the training because he said it wasn't authorized because I wasn't some, I didn't reach my I band at the time is what they call it. You know, the epitome of inspectors, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. So I was a few months shy of reaching my I band. Wow. Right. Wow. So Chet pulled me to the side and he said, Greg, I don't want you to make us think about anything because he know me. Right. And he said, let's just you know, after you finish this segment, just go to a break and, you know, we'll let it go. Mm. At that very moment is when I decided to leave the FAA. Got to. Because what essentially happened is bureaucracy reigned over common sense and compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you gotta follow your, you gotta follow, you gotta be true to yourself and follow your your character, your nature, your gut, you know, all of that. Yeah. 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 And so and so I started putting in motion my own dream. Mhm. Mm right? Mm -hmm. And I said that since they don't want to give training, I'll give the training. Mhm. Mm right? Yep. Till this day till this day I get inspectors emailing me or calling me about stuff about a quality assurance plan you know, about something regarding, uh, you know, breathalyzed testing. Like ha half of them don't even know the difference between STT certification and the BAT certification. Oh, that's right? a huge one. That <laughs> is a huge one. We discovered that during COVID when we were trying to put safe practices in place um, for the pandemic. And we were telling people, use your screening tests um, because, you know, we LifeLock eventually did a study that showed that the virus in it of itself was not blowing out. But initially, a lot of companies were just flat out refusing breath tests. So we were saying, do your screening test, but make sure everyone is trained and certified. And I mean, industry-wide. I'm telling you, Greg, there was a huge gap. I want to say 95% of the people were like, what are you talking about? We don't know what you're talking about. We did a ton of STT training um, over 2020 because people in that, what does that go back to? That goes back to it's a training issue. It was not covered in their original, and I'm talking certified breath alcohol technicians had no idea about screening tests and that that, that was part of their training. They did not know. Right. So, and, yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing how these simple things mm -hmm. turns into an, an out of compliant turns into a civil penalty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. As, as it, the, you know, the process continues to go on without proper understanding because nothing becomes a problem until it becomes a positive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's then, right. You know, all heck breaks loose. Right. Yeah. So my my biggest concern is just not with just the, the FAA it's just the industry in itself is that drug and alcohol, in my opinion, is the least thought about, but it causes the most pain. For sure. Yep. Yep. Right. I agree. Uh, um. So in a nutshell, I, I left and that isn't what made me start the company, mm -hmm. my, my training. Mm -hmm. So that's what made me put everything in motion mm -hmm. was, was that union rep. And I thank him to this day for that. Sure. If not, I probably would still be there yeah. doing inspections. That just um, caused a, like a decision, but then there was a train of events. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the, the, the tearjerker. Mm-hmm. So what made me actually start my, my training was I was having a conversation with an old military buddy and we were talking about where we were in life, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And are we doing what we really wanted to do in life? Mm -hmm. And we started talking about an, a younger soldier 
uh, who we, I know personally that I used to bully. Mm. Mm-hmm. that I used to bully and talk stuff about because he wanted to be a train conductor and he wanted to be a bus driver. Mm-hmm. So he would keep these model trains and buses in his room and I would come over and just mess with him about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I looked at his Facebook page and he is now driving buses for New Jersey transit. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I said, look at this. I said, this guy is doing what he wanted to do in life. So I told the 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 first sergeant that I was talking to, I said, you know what, I don't need to be having this discussion with you. I need to be having this discussion with him. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I call him. Well, I Facebook him and I have him call me. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that I am some celebrity because of all the people that I associate with and things that I do other than drug and alcohol testing. Mm-hmm. So he picks up the phone ecstatically. Oh my gosh, it's you. Oh my gosh, it's mm-hmm. nice to hear from you. What do I owe the honor? And I said, mm-hmm. no, I said, I owe the honor. And I called to apologize to him. Wow. I'm going right? to cry. <laughs> I really, I, I might, I might, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so, so I called him to apologize because I said, I could have derailed yeah your your dreams right yeah um so i said it's me apologizing to you because even though sometimes your your passions are stronger than what anybody could do but i don't know if i caused you any emotional heartache or any emotional pain yeah right yeah so we talked about it and he didn't make the situation even worse by telling me he was unemployed because of covid and oh. The reason why he was in New York is because his grandmother passed and he was wanted to live his life to his fullest. And I was sitting there going, I said, damn it. I said, it's already bad. Right. Right. So I apologized to him and I said, if you need anything ever, just call me. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so he was having bouts with PTSD and stuff. And you just never know what's going on in people's lives. Right. So uh, I open up the door to say, call me, you can talk to me. So I get mm-hmm. off the phone with him and I said, this guy is living his life. I said, I am living, but I am not alive. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's right. Um, so I said, I am living. I am not alive. Yeah. And at this time I had left the FAA and I was at ICE. Okay. So I oh, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> So took I took a little went, sojourn there for a second. Yeah, so yeah. I, I left FAA and went to ICE because I wanted to, to give myself a break from drug and alcohol mm-hmm. so I wouldn't have any conflict of interest. Sure, or, okay. Or anything like that. So I went to ICE to become mm-hmm. a detention inspector and I was inspecting detention facilities, talking to detainees, immigrants, and we would have these interpreter lines and I would have to ask them about their health and wellness and their safety and their, wow. their religion. And so it was a entirely different. Yeah. Total departure. Yeah. <laughs> from, Golly. Wow. <laughs> but, um, and so, and I'm talking to individuals from all around the world, you know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, so I had to give my break from FAA and after talking to him, Smitty, I got off the phone with him and built my website. Wow. And you just said, I'm going to start living and this is what I want to do. And it's about your passion yeah. and your why. And, um, and it's all about education. So tell us about what you're doing now. Let's hear it. So I have a course called managing an FAA drug and alcohol program. And I also have the course for HHS collection policies or whatever, which I'm working now trying to build the HHS DER portion of it, but it's very difficult because there's so many loose ends with HHS mm-hmm. as far as what, what are they going to do. So right now yeah. I'm focusing just on the collection, you know, part of the training. Yeah. Now the managing an FAA course, I hear a lot of people who, when I call and say, Hey, I have this new course and they say, yeah, well, I get training, you know, take course. And then they'll tell me about reasonable suspicion, reasonable cause supervisor training mm-hmm. or their talk about training they got from their ctpa and i say i am all for that i support that as a matter of fact you can go to my website and i have recommended ctpas on there you mm-hmm. know that i've either inspected or i had uh, affiliation with to know that i can trust them to handle faa right 
processes, right? right? Yeah. So there's a couple other people that I haven't spoke with, but after I interviewed them, they'll, they'll go up on the CTPA list, right? Mm -hmm. And even collection sites, because I need to put recommended collection sites up there because every collection site does not do direct observation or right. are set up for confirmation tests for breathalyzers. Exactly. So we need to know who these people are in order to have direct um, controlled uh, collection processes yeah. that's being done accordingly to what we need done. Right. Right. So I have no, my course is not going, is designed to go against any training, mm -hmm. but my course digs more into uh, 14 CFR 120. Mm -hmm. Right. Very, very specific. Yeah. Very, very specific. And it connects to, has no choice but to connect to 4940. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. But your train people's training with the CTPAs is basically how you need to interact with that CTPA, how they need for you to interact with them and how you guys need to succeed together as a partnership because you're responsible, you're responsible for the CTPA. So you need to know how you interact. That mm -hmm. is that training from the CTPA with the company. And I would never get in the middle of that. Sure. That, sure, is, sure. that is supposed to happen. You need yeah. to do that. I encourage that. But however, my course goes into 120 because mm -hmm. that is where the civil penalty lies. Perfect. That is right. so needed. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Right. And so it's <laughs> called, your company's called? Federal Drug Testing Services. Federal Drug Testing Services. Services. And I love your tagline. It's not Greg's way, it's the Reg's way. And I'm feeling guilty for even saying it because I feel like I'm stealing it from you. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had an inspector call me and said, man, I am upset with you. He said, well, I haven't got my mug because all my students get a mug uh -huh. that, has it, that has it on it. And he's upset because he didn't get a mug. I said, well, you need to, take, you need to come take my course. <laughs> <laughs> yep and and you got to hear it said and and I love that and so and you're doing YouTube videos I sent everything out to um to the like little spots like little training highlights kind of and um and some interviews and and whatnot and I sent the um link out to our board last week this is before you um got mine up where you interviewed me I I watched one of the of the train um what was the one i watched um have a backup der and i sent it out to our board and i'm like you guys have to check this out <laughs> so good <laughs> and i think i sent it out on town hall too because i was so excited um so you're traveling okay so how how are you getting in front of der's what is happening there is it your you know, the connections that you've had over the years or how are you getting that door open? Well, I have a, a, a I started compiling an Excel spreadsheet and I have almost 10,000 companies. Wow. On an Excel spreadsheet that these are public information, right? Mm -hmm. There's almost, almost five, 6,000, 145 repair stations in, in the world. Wow. And I hired an assistant, created a spreadsheet, and her only job is to copy and paste the address, phone numbers, and stuff into my spreadsheet. Wow. Wow. Right? So I have it broken down by state and by country. Mm -hmm. And I have this whole entire list. And what I do is that I set my schedule, and then I just personally call each company in those regions and introduce myself and tell them about the course and give them the website. I nice. tried to do the mail out that doesn't work, the email doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So it's just more of the direct uh, contact. Direct contact. And yep. just to introduce myself. Yep. Um, yeah. Makes out. And you did all of this in a pandemic. Yes. I, <laughs> I, I walked away January 2nd. I left a six-figure income to, to, to do this in the middle of a pandemic. Jeez, Louise. Um, wow. There's some bravery there. There's a little bit of crazy there. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was sitting there in my Elon Musk, you know, like, okay. yeah. <laughs> it's all about the risk taking. I'm a, you tell yourself, I'm not crazy. I'm a visionary entrepreneur. <laughs> well, that's why I YouTube and I always listen to these motivational videos right in the morning and stuff. It's like, Denzel Washington, man, y'all going to have me go lose my my everything listening yeah, to y'all yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of did, I did something similar um, in, in, uh, in 2014, something very, very similar, uh, just kind of stepped out and, and did it. But um, in the meantime, I just kept also taking jobs, which would <laughs> build a little bit, take a job, build a little bit, take a job. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I love it. And um, we are so excited to know where you're at and what you're doing. And um, I know that everyone in this organization is keen to support you and, um, and just put a spotlight on that. Because, it, well, so one of the things I wanted to tell you uh, that's been really delightful for me to learn about you over the last week, when I did meet you in New Orleans, my impression, and, and I, I'm a little embarrassed to say this sort of, sort of, but um, like you are the most highly professional, like button down, suave, like I think the only the only man that could dress better than you on the planet is like Steve Harvey. And you know, Steve Harvey is all about the hanky in the pocket. Like he's, everything is about I, I, the clothes. I will never dress like that. <laughs> but you are so, <laughs> you're so put together. And um, I remember um, a bunch of, uh, of us were standing like in the lobby of the hotel and you walked by and we all went, who is that? And and we just like stopped and went, whoa. And then when we found out you were like with our group, we were like, yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, but I was kind of intimidated by you because you are like, you when you come and you do training, you are um, business and, you know, you are all about what's going on at the moment. And even last year when we talked, um, you know, at the conference, I, I was just like, okay, it's Craig. I got to be on my best, like, you know, <laughs> professional um, Joe McGuire, you know. And then this last week, just getting to know you on um, on your do, doing the interview with you and, and and hanging out a little bit that way. I'm like, Craig is the most fun guy. <laughs> it just so, um, I love it. I love getting the opportunity to see this side of you. And so um, it, it's just fabulous. And then you told me that you have this whole other um, is it a podcast? Is your uh, is it's, your show? It's an actual radio show. It's a radio show. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, do you want to mention that just a little bit? Yeah. You know. Okay. Or do so you not you, want to cross hairs? No, I'm good. With, okay. You, know, you, you you started crossing hairs when you start talking about your son and having people in tears and stuff. So you can't True. even talk. <laughs> you can't even talk. Um, <laughs> and, and by the way, again, that was awesome. Um, Thank you. So the radio show, I've had this radio show since 2007. A long and time. A long time. I actually wrote my first novel. So I have three books on Amazon. And they're relationship romance novels. So yes, the complete another world. Um, and I wrote this book coming out of my divorce. Okay. Right? Yep. So my the book basically says at what price are you willing to pay to have a fantasy? Are you willing to give up the love of your life for a temporary moment of pleasure? Wow. Right. Wow. So I, I wrote this book going through probably, I can't say the hardest because combat, being in combat will right. be the, the hardest. hardest. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then death. But other than that, like mm -hmm. this was a very tough time for me because I right. was, uh, I was going through a divorce, but, I will always raise, we're, most of us are always raised in some type of spiritual or religious environment. Right, right. right. Get Pastor's married, daughter right kids. here. There yeah. you go, right? <laughs> Get married, have some kids. Yes. You know, life is going to be good, right? Yeah. That's what we're, that's the Disney. We are brought yes. up on Disney. Yep. And when Disney fails to work out, yeah. no one is there to tell you mm -hmm. how to move on from that. Right. You know, the divorce, the, the, the move on from that. So yeah. I didn't have anything to fall back on other than this is supposed to work. Right. 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 And so going through this divorce and as going through this divorce, if, if people who are out there have been through a divorce or any type of financial thing, it's like puts a strain on you. Mm -hmm. So I like my money was very, very limited. Mm -hmm. I was eating Popeye's chicken and now I'm in the army. Right. right. I am in the army as, yeah. a, as a sergeant first class and I am eating Popeye's chicken almost every night or, or 
peanut butter jelly sandwiches because I need my money to stretch. Yeah. Right. My mm -hmm. power went out and I said, I refuse to let anybody give me money. Mm -hmm. So I went and got an extension cord. And at night when I thought everybody was asleep, I would run the extension cord from the hallway into my apartment. Mm -hmm. And I was using, I can say it now because I can't get in trouble for it, but I was using <laughs> my government computer. Mm -hmm. And I sat there and started writing. And that's where my novel was wow wow right. and it's always out of a dark it's always out of darkness that something really um amazing comes right no matter what area we're talking about isn't that so true yeah yeah so so i write this book and then i'm trying to get it published and nobody mm -hmm. wanted to to do anything so i created my own show where i got comedians and musicians and i said if they come out to see these musicians and artists then they'll respect me because I'm on the stage with right. these people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I tried to get on Oprah's show and some other people's show at the time. And, you know, they weren't having me. So I got a call one day from the owner of this network and wanted to interview me because he heard my book was doing well and he offered me a radio show nice. and I took it and ran with it and I've been doing it ever since. So I interviewed celebrities, experts, uh, relationship stuff. Uh, you know, I produced about six radio shows on the network. Uh, wow. And, uh, you know, so the, the network and the radio show, the GL Henderson Radio Hour, mm -hmm. um, which is on artistsfirst.com. Uh, you can go and listen to all kinds of different past shows with different mm -hmm. celebrities, different artists. And, and I put on concerts and events for the troops. Oh, uh, how amazing. Yeah. I love that. My, um, my brother is a very recently retired veteran, um, special forces and, um, uh, from the army and, um, he retired a year ago, uh, this month. And, um, I think he did just because of his job and what he did, I, he did upwards of 25 tours um in the middle east and was implanted there or embedded i'm sorry <laughs> he was embedded there for a long long time you know all those times where you don't know where he is or what he's doing and haven't heard from him and his wife would get a sat phone call like you know twice a year or whatnot and um so i love it that you do that um, i'll never forget that the best veterans day i've ever had in my entire life was um he had just gotten home. He was not, he had said, I'm not going back over. He's one of those guys that everyone that he served with was killed on the battlefield. And he, he he's like, my luck has run out. I'm not, he won't even take a contractor job over there. Cause he's like, I can't, can't do it. You know? Roll the dice. Yes. And um, so, but they invited me on a cruise and this is funny. I don't know if you can picture me doing this, but it was a dropkick uh -oh. Murphy's cruise. Uh oh. <laughs> I was you talk about a fish out of water. What is that sweet Joe McGuire doing on a Dropkick Murphy's cruise? But we had a blast. But it the, the last day of the cruise was Veterans Day, and they had us all meet in the galley, and they played taps, and we did a um, salute to veterans and um, toasted them. And I got to be there with my brother um, and then my sister-in-law, who's also a veteran. I couldn't even speak. I was crying like a baby because I could never say all the things to my brother that I want to say and need to say. So I love it that, you know, you're a veteran, you've served and, and, you know, so grateful for your service and what you've given. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I say it, it sounds lightly because I will start crying and then I won't be able to talk and then we'll both just be sitting here watching me cry. Um, but that you then give back, that you give back, Greg, that is so, so incredible. And even your drug testing training, you really are giving back because you've been on the side of the inspector and and looking at it and you when you're the inspector, you have to be analytical. You can't take sides. You can't get emotional. You can't. Um, you just have to walk in and be, uh, you know, the only word I can think of is just that analytical. You can't um, get involved, but you're giving back to that and saying, I want to be a part of the solution. And so I love that. It, your, your passion for life is showing through in every aspect of what you do. Um, that's so great. So check out, what is it, GL Henderson Radio? Is that what you said? GL Henderson Radio Hour. Hour, a radio hour. Yeah. Okay. If, if you if you Google G.L. 
Henderson, I'm the first thing that comes up on Google, okay. which I thought is interesting. Um, yeah. But the, the other site is federaldrugtestingservices.com. Okay. Um, and again, I just want to reiterate to people who are giving training, this is in no way a competition right. to anybody that's giving training. I actually encourage the training, any mm -hmm. type of training, you know, whether it's coming to Indesa, you mm -hmm. know, it's like you should never have enough training because you're dealing with life. Right. We're always learning. There's always something you can glean and learn. No, your training is very much hand in glove. It is totally compatible. It's it's like a partner training almost. And that, right. That's a lame word. But um, yeah, it's, it's almost like the other side of the coin. Um, so that is one of the reasons I'm so excited about it because <clears throat> there is no way that someone who is doing collector training and we're offering our collector course at the conference jan corman's teaching it I, I it will be ever in my lifetime hard to find someone more thorough than jan corman because she covers every detail but you can't get into all of the details for fmcsa and faa and fta and what you can't you just teach the basic dot 49 part 40 um, anybody who's involved with, especially if you're an FTA contractor or you're an FAA provider or whatever, you need to know that stuff. And even if you're on the collection side of it uh, as a TPA, you have an opportunity to guide your clients, those right. DERs, and people need to be filtering, you know, anyone with HHS or FAA to Greg Henderson uh, because they will not get a more thorough, complete, expert to walk them through and like you said when you sat in front of that woman crying she just didn't know and we have got to find a way to fill that gap and we can't i've learned this year one one lesson i've definitely learned this year i'm like the eternal optimist so i got super well i don't want to say brave like i don't I don't even think about it, but I just called up ODAPSI and I'm like, collector training sucks in this country. We have to change it. I want the rules changed. I want the collection handbook changed. I want this changed. I want that. This is why. And, and um, every, you know, Bo Dan was awesome. He did a group call. He oh, let yeah. me ramble on and on <laughs> and on and on. And, um, you know, then told me why I am uh, shooting for the moon when we're still standing on the earth. Um, but he appreciated what I had to say. <laughs> But we, all of that to say, we cannot rely on the feds to come and fix this for us. They, their hands are tied on so many levels because all of this is congressional and this and that and the other. And nobody's, nobody cares. Like you said, nobody cares about drug and alcohol testing right now. They just don't. We slip through the cracks, but we are the most important in our opinion. Um, and I, I stand by that. But we have got to take responsibility for this in a big way. And um, I think you and I are so much on the same page with that. So, um, okay, so we're gonna solve all the problems in the world when it comes to drug and alcohol testing. Um, what, do you, what do you see on the horizon that is exciting to you about our industry? That might be a weird question, but our, all of our compliance geeks who love us will know what I mean. <laughs> You, you know, the, the, what I see is conversation. Mm -hmm. I, I, I see movement. I see conversation. I see that those who were in the industry just to make a book mm -hmm. are phasing out, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So the, the, the people who are, even the younger individuals, the people who are moving up mm -hmm. and, and are speaking out, it's, I see that happening. Yes. Right? Yeah. I see more conversation. I'm starting to see more emails. I'm starting to see more interaction with ODAPSI and mm -hmm. all of the other federal agencies. Like people, like I inquire to ODAPSI all the time about stuff when I find in a regulation that I'm not, I need a clear answer to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So people like Indesa and you guys, like the, the conversation is what I see on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Because before it wasn't a lot of conversation. Right. You know, it wasn't a lot right. of open, open conversation, maybe right. behind the scenes, but mm -hmm. you guys are more open. People are now more open to conversation and mm -hmm. you are, you guys are willing to now address the problem, which mm -hmm. is the collection sites. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right? Collection yeah. sites. And 
I, I just have always been in awe. Like I, I did an inspection of a collection site and the, the owner of the collection site didn't even know she needed to have seven mocks for her bath. Oh, right. Yikes. Basic stuff. Basic stuff, just the, the, the basic stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, just not anything major, but where is the lack of, of training and, 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 and holding people accountable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to, I think that if there was a greater threshold put on, and I know owners of collection sites ain't going to want to like this, stuff, but you put as much pressure on that as you do with these DERs, yes. these, these, these companies that we, we have I, out here. Right. And maybe it will encourage that more training. Like, I don't know why I don't, you know, your, your conferences should be packed to the hell. Mm -hmm. You know, every yeah. year because this is your job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right, right. This is your job as a collector, as a DER, as a CTPA, as an owner uh, of any of these entities. You should be, this is professional development. Exactly. That, that was the word that was in my head was professional development. And I was just going to say, I, um, I worked for a few different TPAs in the industry. And um, sometimes, uh, what I have heard said just amongst, you know, colleagues was, well, conference is just for networking and I don't have time for that. Well, that's why I endeavored and, and our board endeavored to set a different standard. This is your professional development and where you go to get the bigger picture and get the best of the best that you can get to be your best. So it is a do not miss. Um, that you're right. This should be just one of your top priorities every year is I, this is where I go. And then I learn how to stay plugged in all year to keep honing my skill. Um, because I'm a big believer and I just, I know that you're going to agree with us. I'm a big believer that when you choose a field to be in, you become the expert. That's your goal. Your goal is I, I need to know more about this than anybody else knows. And, and not just, um, add drug testing as, a, as an additional line of revenue in my business. We are not an added revenue stream. We are a life-saving <laughs> um, program, you know, that makes a difference in people's lives. And we take people's lives into our hands every day when we do that drug test because they lose their careers. They lose everything if they fail that test. Um, and that's, you know, that that's their decision but then we also have to be there for the follow-through so so much i'll tell you what i know that we could literally do this for another yeah, hour and not scratch the surface but um but i allotted an, an hour we're uh, we're coming up well we're right there uh, um at the moment but thank you so much um i okay I will see you in Colorado Springs in June for sure maybe in May at St. Louis you're you're still deciding right so what, what is the, uh, well, first of all, I do want to say thank you guys for welcoming me as a member. Mm -hmm. I've never been a member of an association before. Mm -hmm. So you're the first member of association. So thank you guys for, for having me as a member. And I do want to, you know, see if there's anything that I can bring to you guys. For to sure. The table. Yeah. You know, just, just, you know, let me know. Okay. Um, and so the registration, whoever, I don't know, I may just show up. Well, yeah, we'll see. You do what you got to do, but but um, I'll I'll forgive you if you don't show up because you're starting up a new business and uh, your schedule's packed. And That's I know right I'm going to see you in June. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, uh, thank you so much for sharing, for your transparency, for um, just I think everything you've said is something that will inspire, encourage, and challenge everyone who um, listens to our podcast and by the way we've got listeners i think right now in 14 countries so uh, yeah it's we've got a great audience on this podcast and we've gotten um, new members from it and all kinds of things so um, i thank you for giving us your time and we will i know be hearing much more of you now that i know where you are and how to reach <laughs> you um, in the days ahead and we're excited to see where we all go together from here so Thank you, Greg, for your time. It's been a ton of fun. I dare say at some point we'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. I appreciate okay. you for having me and everybody that's listening. Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
To our listeners, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, join us again next week. We drop every Wednesday. And make sure you like, subscribe, follow, and share with your colleagues and friends. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Indesa Members Memo. Subscribe to hear all of our podcasts and join Indesa to access all of our professional industry resources. Visit us at ndasa.com.